We are the creators of reality. Those who have mastered perseverance, those who thrive despite attempts to thwart us, those who make magic at the root of the very trees they hung us from. We are the mountains and the rivers. We are the sun and the moon. We are sand and gems. We are the first and the final. We be big and small. We be light and dark. We be seasoned and youthful. We be sensual and sacred. Those gifted and divine. Those powerful and radical. Those vibrant and ancestral. We are the creators of reality. We are the Black Oasis. I'm your host, Kaya Supreme, and this is the place where we lay it all down. Today's guest is a poet extraordinaire, a lover, a friend, a brother. He is dynamic. He is engaging. He is brilliant. He is insightful. He is creative. He is a powerhouse and a wealth of knowledge and information. The Johnny Nafula. Welcome, brother. The sound effects that you make are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think we can really, really, really get past that. I think that's amazing uh, <laughs> that you can do that. Uh, thank you, first of all, for the sound effects. I really am going to shout that out. Uh, <laughs> and thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Um, it would not be an oasis without you. Mm. So, tell the saints what your name means uh, and, uh-huh. and and why it's imperative to your purpose. Uh, I am a Johnny Nafula. Uh, Nafula, here comes the rain. Um, and Johnny, with truth as my guide, I fight for character. Um, this name is one of objectivity. It's about getting the, the tangible evidence of a thing. And how do you apply the tangible evidence of a thing that it makes you better? Um, fight does not mean fist. It does not mean struggle. But it means press. It means uh, get out your own way. It means put the things down in order to grapple with this, this notion of truth that you get this here comes the rain it means get ready to soak up that which is necessary you get ready to be saturated with with something from the most high that's going to you know and truth it makes you better um for me in particular um it's about submission to the thing that is and letting go of the thing that is not uh, that's what that whole name means to me at this point in my life and even I've been walking with this uh, mantle for about ooh, well over well over several years now well past a decade I've definitely uh, got my roots and got my good footing in what it means to be a Johnny Knopfler at this point Absolutely. And so um, at Black Oasis, we believe that bringing together black people, giving black people access to things that will nourish them, support them, heal them, um, we will end up creating a paradise, right? What is something that has to be a part of a paradise for a Johnny Nafula? What do you think has to be a part of an oasis for you? 
we've got to be able to lovingly call out toxicity and heal the root of the toxic place. Um, whether it's um, between gender, whether it's in identity, whether it's in mental health, whether it's in uh, economics, whether it's in different uh, rights of life. Um, can we lovingly call out the toxicity and get the work done without having it to be blaring, uh, without having it to be abusive, without it having to be commercial or for entertainment purposes? Can we just do the work to heal ourselves and make us better? So, so help us identify some of the toxic um, things that we have in our community. What, what, what are some of the things that don't serve us? Uh, hierarchy does not serve us. What's hierarchy? Hierarchy is a place where someone or somebody's have made themselves the top and they've made tiers, degrees of living um, based upon politics and preferences. And in that, hierarchy creates uh, cliques, clubs, crews, and caste, right? And we treat people according to these politics and to these uh, to these preferences. And it doesn't help. It just, while you create in these cliques, clubs, crews, and this caste system, you are also breeding resentment. You are breeding animosity, jealousies, and messiness that don't help. And I think the alternative to, I not that I think, I have found that the alternative to hierarchy is community, right? Community creates communion, breeds compassion, promotes companionship, and teaches a collective interdependence, right? I have my own, but I share my own with my own. Mm. Mm deep I swear so what are some other things that um, we would that would do us good to remove we have to be reflective we have to use our arts um, as a part of, of removing toxicity in order that it might be oasis that it might be paradise that it might be lush with the things that are that are going to provide for us and I think that the arts do a great job of having people's internal work and self-reflect, um, whether it's literature, uh, poetry, uh, spoken word. It's going to be art. It's going to be interpretation. It's going to be dance. It's going to be music. Um, whatever the thing is, art is created to be exposed, right? And then to be interpreted. That's art. But all of it is done for the purpose that one could critically think about who they are, where they are, and what they are doing, right? And adjust where need be. That's what art does. So in this particular oasis, this paradise that we are that we are creating, that we are manifesting, right? Can we see the beauty in ourselves? The multifaceted, complex, uh, non-binary, infinite beauty that is what it means to be to be black, be of African descent, be to have melanin in your skin, right? To have a rich and vast history uh, that the whole wide world benefits from. Are we willing to look at that uh, with some uh, critical eyes and, and let us see ourselves? 
And so, you know, an oasis exists in the midst of a, a desert. Like, you know, you have to have a desert in order to really value an oasis. What are some things that you've had to overcome, some deserts you had to walk through or journeying through in your own life? I think one aspect of my own personal desert has been uh, not understanding my self-worth. People like to use, you oh, you lack self-worth. No, you know, you don't like it. You always have it. You might not understand it or recognize it. And so I had to do the work of understanding, oh, these are my strengths, my qualities, the things I um, and this is how I function. And this is not that it brings me value, but it makes me priceless. Right? Um again, things are mutually exclusive, right? So when we put value on something, we ultimately end up judging that thing. We got to get out of self-judgment, right? And we got to get out of judgment of other people. I can't put no value on you, so I don't make no judgment calls. But when I see when and where, how you apply what you do and how you do when you do it, right? I, and I can't do without it now, or either I'm just lost without it, you're now priceless. So I had to find myself as priceless as I found other people. Another part of my um, desert um, was really working around not stereotyping word family, but expanding the word family. Expanding that. Say more about that. Say it again. Tell us more about that. Like, you know, you come from, you have your biological family, and somehow throughout time, We've obligated that your blood people got to be the people that teach you, take care of you, heal you, do all the things for you, right? Then I had to go back in some history and look like it wasn't necessarily your blood that took care of you all the time, but some of your kinfolk, right? Distant relatives or or adopted relatives or this teacher who took a liking to you or, you know, this friend you made in the third grade, you know, there's a way in which family is not I I think it has nothing to do with blood I think family which comes from the word familiar which comes from the word familiar meaning to reflect and connect that's ultimately what it is I reflect and connect with you in some way shape form or fashion so I've had to expand that and not feel abandoned not feel uh, very orphaned because of other people's journeys um, and practice that level of forgiveness and healing and adjust myself and get into alignment where I have, now I know I have family. I have a large family now. This huge network of people, right? That each person has their utility. So um, let's talk about brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, what does brotherhood mean to you? Brotherhood means to me a multitude of things. How can I make this clear? Uh, (laughs) Brotherhood is literally being covered, supported, and buttressed by other men who desire to cover, support, and buttress you as much as you desire to cover, support, and buttress them. A hood, a hood goes over something. A hood covers something, right? 
hood encapsulates something, right? So you you're in the thing, right? And it's precious, especially when you get somebody, especially men, black men who make the agreement, I got you. That's a beautiful thing. That's a simple notion that comes with so much, but it's so it's so amazing to when when people commit to uh, having your back. Um, and, and not saying it's peach, you know, it's all peaches and cream and coming up roses. It, it's 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 a hard work because two trees growing next to each other, so they're always gonna have some friction. The truth of the matter is, they just their roots are trying to find some way to give each other sugar that they might survive. You know. It's a hard road to hold, but if you are commit committed to it, you'll get there. <laughs> you have this farmer persona that I love. It just comes out. I was day. raised by a very a a, a, a woman who uh, who grew up on a farm. You know, so you even though she moved to the city, a lot of ways in the household were very farm like. You know. Um, you know, sometimes we the hard way to get to a lesson is you got to shuck that corn. <laughs> and when you shuck corn, you got to pull a husk off, right? But mm. then you have to go back to if you really want just that corn on the cob, and if you just want that corn, you don't want the hairs and the other fibers that came off the husk. You got to go back and get that off too. You know, there's a there there's a way living is reflective of philosophy and wisdom. If you go live right, you got to always be looking at your stuff, how you live. And, and you know, my grandma, she was just that way. Everything related to something. Everything has a lesson in it. Everything was purposeful. Nothing was just, you know, we just did this because, no, everything had a reason to it, you know? So I get it. It's going to, it, it comes out, it comes out. So, how has community helped raise you? Ooh, child. Um, I think it was, you know, real talk. I think the community helped me be a child, finally. Um, you know, they say you grow up too fast. I think I was given adult responsibilities because of maleness in a house full of women. Because of patriarchal tendencies, we end up making men, no matter what their age, king, right? Um, mm-hmm. and that they can spoil a, a male child um, that can end up ruining a male child it can end up uh, setting that child back emotionally and when I got into community uh, community made me a child I had to learn the basics you know you're 16, 17 and 18 years old but you don't know how to treat women well you know you don't know how to honor elders uh, efficiently um, you have issues with male authority. You have to learn how to be a child again. Um, and then once you learn that, you'll see how your adulthood actually does change when you then, it's not about digressing. Actually, I found me entering into childhood and practicing that actually helped me be a better athlete. And community helped. Community helped me with that a lot. So how can how can we as women be better sisters to our brothers? Oh child, why is that such a 
a heavy question. Oh, oh my. Uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think sisters. We gotta know. I think sisters know really have to know that brothers love their sisters. And it's not out of ownership. It's not out of, you know, oh, you just are a woman. It's, it's, a, it's something about black men as brothers. When we collectively say, we really do love our sisters. Um, and I think sisters need to know that they are loved first. That would help. They need to know that, you know what, my brothers love me. They really do. That's one. Two, I think uh, black women have got to um, impact sisters. Because uh, the, the, the sister, the, there's connection there, there's sibling there. That means we come from something together. Um, and I think that they have to understand that too. We come, we come this way together. We aren't a part in this. Um, sisters got to learn that um, men are, are socialized to keep things close to their chest. Um, even the shameful parts of ourselves, even some of the great things about ourselves, we keep them close to our chest, um, and we almost we almost treat some of our issues, problems, greatnesses as sacred. But understand, sisters, you are there too, as sacred, um, as well. And we want to communicate, but we can't communicate when we're being judged or when we're being critiqued or when we're being uh, dragged or when we're being uh, dog walked uh, because we get that when we're on the street. We get that in the corporate offices and, and in the jail cells and the courtrooms and, you know, we get that out there. But when we come home to sisters, we're not trying to, we not. We don't really want that there. We do, we do want the your, we want your correction, not your critique. You know, we want your wisdom, not your opinion. Uh, we don't want to be spoiled and pampered. We really don't. We actually do want nurturing when we when we need it. Um, those things. But because of socialization, you know, sisters come at brothers hard, and that's how we you know we know we know sisters love us. The sisters be on us, you know, get it together. Some of the getting together that we need to get is that you and I can come together. And, and, and be in agreement about some things. I think those are some of the first steps. That's right. Um, and, and you touched on a really good point about socialization and um, really under patriarchy, men not being allowed to express their feelings, um, being conditioned to believe that crying is weak and emotions um, are weak or, or negative. Um, how can we help dismantle that that toxic belief and, and create more room for our black boys and men to to be emotionally free and aware? I think we really have to start now saying out loud, um, men do cry. Men, it's okay to cry. We got to start saying it out loud. We got to start putting it on t-shirts and putting it in commercials, right? We need to start popularizing that men can cry, uh, that men can emote, that men can smile, that men can celebrate, that a man can dance to his favorite song publicly and not be critiqued. 
um, we got to stop telling little boys. Uh, we First of all, stop calling little boys man. Hey, big man. That's my man right there. Nope. He's a boy. Give him back his boyhood. You know what I'm saying? Don't put him into a position that he is not ready. You know, and don't socialize him into an emotional construct that he yet he haven't even he hasn't even experienced what it means to get his feelings hurt yet. You know, um, when a boy cries, let them cry. Let them remind them that it's okay to emote, share, and to be who they are. We got to promote that with as ch- for our children. Period. Really, it's really not just for black boys, but children. Period. Uh, because then they grow up to be black adults with repressed aspects of themselves and they wonder why it's difficult to navigate in certain areas. Wouldn't it be nice in this black oasis, this paradise where children could just be fluid and they become fluid adults but they could just roll. You know, water flows against the places of least resistance. And why can't we have that as children who become those adults? Because we become so rigid and resistant. Our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, some of this was their own survival mechanism, their safety clauses, their covering of us, these respectability places to teach us. But now we know that those things don't serve us. They just made us emotionally repressed, mentally defunct, spiritually disconnected, and physically impotent in some ways. So therefore we find ways of trying to to survive that and it becomes compounded. Let's let's stop that let's heal ourselves by healing our younger generation, right? Cuz we know healing for the self you heal several generations back and seven generations forward. So let's when that boy starts crying, come and sit right here and cry. Or you can go ahead and cry, get it out. I'm going to remind you that you are loved and cared for, but I want you to cry and get it out. You are in safe space with me. And then you get when an adult man say the same thing to him too, sir, yeah. brother. You in a you in safe space. I have no judgment. You need to cry. In fact, you need to just emote. Period. You need to go off. You are in safe space. I offer you that. You are good. You can go ahead. Go ahead. Get, go ahead and break down. You are in safe space. When I say that to men, the look it, I get on their faces is almost like, oh my god, no one's ever said that to me before. Because I've always had to take the risk at crying publicly. But now it's not a risk. I don't lose anything in this moment. I gain myself by just crying. Or I gain myself by going off. I gain myself by celebrating. I gain myself by being joyous. I gain myself by smiling. I gain myself by breathing. I gain, I, I gain myself by releasing my shoulders and just relaxing. If we can... It, if we could just give that back to each other, you know, this oasis would would be a, a what's greater than the oasis? Honey, I don't know. <laughs> I this don't would know. be a a, a a a a utopia, I guess. Gotcha. So tell me about um your album. I did an album um, a while back um, with a brother of mine, uh, Randy Graham of E M O I uh, uh, E O M I. 
uh, recording, and uh, it's called Love Song. Um, at the point, I had written a whole suite of pieces called Love Song in tribute to relationships, black love, black romance, black care. Um, in this in this binary sense of relationships of people who I had adored. First, the first piece was in tribute to my best friend um, and her husband on their uh, five-year marriage at the time. They renewed their vows after five years. Um, and I did a piece at their at their uh, reception. And a uh, man walked up to me. He was like, man, you need to record that. You need to put that down. And he was, I thought he was joking, you know, but he was quite serious. And we did a whole thing about it, um, around it. And it became something, a discipline project. It became a passion project to to put this out there. It wasn't about money for me. It wasn't about um, notoriety. But I did want to be heard because I felt like I had, a, I felt like I still have this message of love, right? Um, this black, black love is, black love is a higher frequency. It's the highest frequency. It's just like light. It comes in and it's kinetic and it shakes things up and puts things in place and makes things aligned and connects where it needs to connect, disconnect where it needs to disconnect, heals. And sometimes it can hurt, it can press in the tender places, not to cause hurt, but so that you can then recognize what you need to work on. I think that's what black love does, right? Um, black love is like uh, black eyed peas on New Year's Day, you know? It's a tradition that provides for us um, collard greens and cornbread. And it, you know, really love is just like pot liquor. It has all the nutrients in it. But once you, and you drink it and you, you're immediately healed, you know? Um, and I wanted that to come out in this, uh, in that project. And I did it. I did it. We did it. We did that. Uh, when it came out, my uh, friend, he surprised me by putting it on all the digital platforms for it to be heard. Um, and I thought it was just going to be on YouTube. Um, <laughs> shout out to YouTube. I think YouTube is great. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, well. And then he sent me this text message while I was at work. I was working at this call center and um, I saw my phone and it said 55 listens on title. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? What did you put it on title? And the only thing I could think of, and this is one thing that has to be in Black Oasis, Beyonce. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just, I the the inch away that she could possibly hear what I wrote, but it brought tears to my eyes. And then he's sending me all these clicks and views of how many people have listened on YouTube and, and on iTunes and who has purchased this. On, and I was like, oh my god. Oh my God, like this is absolutely happening. Um, or you walk into your church and they're playing your your joint, you know, shout out to Rise Community Church, Atlanta, uh, Umike Pastor. Like, what? What? Is that me on this on this on this speaker? You know? Or when, you know, your friends call you and say, I got you in rotation in my car. You know, um, when people hear the shout out that you gave them in in that, um, or 
when you got to do it with brothers. And speaking of brotherhood, I did a song called Four Black Men on there um, with two Indugu brothers. Um, at the time, we were very, very close. Um, and I was walking well. And, and I took them with me just on some, you know, just, just go with me, you know. Um, and they came with me to the studio. You know, I never thought that I'd be like, oh, I'm going to head to the studio, call me. Um, but they came with me and it was just organic, you know. Uh, and we created something that now is just out there forever. Okay. Okay. So, um, my final question. Yes. What is your wish for black people? My wish for black people is that we would stop externalizing our consciousness and assuming and believing our saving, our salvation, our saviors are outside of us and that we would turn inward, turn our backs to the world and understand that everybody encapsulated inside of this are the savior. We are our own saviors. We are our own salvation and we have always had the tools to do it. That is my wish that we will recognize that and implement our own salvation. Well, Ajani, my beautiful brother, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show. You are, as I said, creative, dynamic, brilliant. You you retain so much information, it blows my mind. Like, you literally just told us the root of the word family. What? Like, you are funny, caring, nurturing, selfless. You are, you're magnificent. You are magnificent. You are a magnificent man. I love your poetry. I love watching you speak. I love all of your lessons. You always teach me something new. You are so um, good at just framing things clearly and giving perspective and expanding thought and idea. I mean, it is an honor to know you. You challenge me, you press me, you support me. Um, And you've helped me practice forgiveness. You have helped me learn to trust. You have helped me truly become more confident in who I am. And I'm just so grateful for you, grateful to know you. Um, how can people follow you and get a piece of you? How can people uh, find your product? Folks can follow me on Instagram at Johnny Marquise, A-J-A-N-I-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. You're welcome to follow me also on Facebook as Johnny Marquise. Um, and I'll see you there, folks. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Please, if you have not heard Love Song, you need to. Um, and follow us on uh, social media, Black Oasis ATL, for Instagram and Facebook, www.blackoasis.org. And until next time, stay black, but you don't really have a choice. Peace.